straight out of Layton. You're listening to Nitwick Radio with your hosts, Logan, Aaron, Jake, and Cody. Hello. Shout out. Yeah, shout, shout out. Hello. Shout hey, out. hey, hey, hey. hey. This, this, no, no, I thought this was over. I thought I thought right, I thought no no more with that joke. I'm done. Hello and welcome to uh Nimic Radio. This is season three, episode twelve. Woo. This uh this week we're taking on uh Little Ugly Mane's album Volcanic Bird Enemy and the Voiced Concern. With the topic of the week being is there any sort of objectivity when it comes to good and bad in music? Does skill matter at oh, all? Oh, I love this question. Shout out to Mystery Science Theater 3000. Shout out. And you know one. why? And you know why? <laughs> Not because I've seen literally any of their commentary tracks because I haven't. You haven't? But Not because if you go to their website, they make you pay to receive a DVD of them talking over a movie. <laughs> and I can't, in this age of uh, YouTube reviewers, uh, podcasters, and social media marketing, I am astounded that there is still a market that three guys could be so good at talking over a movie that they make you pay for a DVD of it, which they will ship to your house. You know what I'll say? I'll say, sh- <laughs> I'll join in on the shout out to MSTK3000. However, uh, they also did birth this whole culture where you're with somebody and they're just totally just screwing it up and then they just ruin the whole movie. Yes. And that's, you know, not, I don't not shout, shout out, out to that. Well, not, not shout you know, out. one of the most important things <laughs> about <shout>. watching, <laughs> watching a movie with a group of people is the silent agreement because you cannot negotiate this. You cannot negotiate this with, with words is the silent agreement of how much we are allowed to talk and joke during the movie. None. Yeah. Now yeah. let's be clear. I, if, no, we, if we are watching violent. the room, you are allowed to get incredibly drunk and talk during the whole That's movie. expected, If though. you're watching Twilight, you are also expected to be making fun of the whole movie. However, if I have invited you over to my house and we are watching Hereditary, you are not allowed to talk during the movie. Yeah. I don't know what this line is. I think that's somewhat correlated to how good the movie I is. Think, I think that that might be a good way to like measure where you are on the autism spectrum no i'm gonna no no no, with no hereditary no. i think no, it's very no, no, important that no. you do the cliff booth from one spot a time in Hollywood. every no, time you see no. something like hey that's in salt lake i i no i i had a good take there i think i think you said you don't know what it is i think i do know what it is what is how it? autistic you are i think that is a measure of how of where you oh, are no 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 no. What, what i'm talking about is we're gonna get canceled how that yeah, no we're already somebody's Aaron, already Aaron, i'm not i don't mean that on the individual basis i mean that on per movie Right, because some movies with certain groups, it's okay to talk over them, right? But in some movies with other groups, it is not okay to talk over the movie. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if someone if someone sees no, exactly if someone it's sees a, no. the girl's head fly off after she hits oh, the post in Hereditary, then <laughs> and someone someone hits someone says rip that might be funny okay no look, look no that is but not that's funny it. that is not <laughs> no, funny. No, okay look see th- this is why i brought up the autism thing to be clear okay. because it's more about reading the room you're in than enjoying the movie you're watching 
So it, it's, it's what you're talking about is solely, it has everything to do with what's happening in the room and the way you're able to perceive what's happening in the room. Yeah. And if you can't, then you're going to say rip at, at, rip. A, at a pivotal moment. Pog. <laughs> yeah, if you're saying Ripper Pog, get out. <laughs> what if it's like, like? What if it's like when Edward sparkles in the sunlight? I might hit a Pog. Well, I might hit that Pog. Remind me not to watch Twilight with you. I love watching Twilight with any configuration of people at any time. But <laughs> that, but here's what I, I will say. Here's what I will say. You can't talk about this before the movie. You can't you can't be loading up the projector and then turn to face what? the audience and be like, guys, just so you know. You're allowed to talk during this movie, right? You right. would look so lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, gen- as a general rule, yeah, uh, I err on the side of less talk, less talk. It can be fun. But sometimes, you remember that but- Indian soap opera that we watched? Yeah, that was that was talking for survival. That was really funny. That, that was that. that <laughs> sometimes, is, sometimes talking is the only way to make it through a movie. It, I agree. I agree. That is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It was really good though, <laughs> no. except for the ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that like shouts out. To or what if what if you're the guy? What if you're the guy that comes out before the movie starts and you're like, "Hey guys, please no talking during this movie." Now I'm now I'm incentivized to talk. Right, you know what I mean? That's why yeah, I like Alamo like, Draft House because I'll snitch. I'll actively snitch in Alamo Draft House. If you are talking, yeah. I will call the wait over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> it was the best experience I've ever had in my life. I went and saw Parasite at the Alamo Draft House in Denver, and these kids were sitting next to me. They were probably like 18. I'm trying to enjoy my beer and a pizza and watch Parasite, and they are talking. I <laughs> Overcomes the waiter. I was like, they're all talking. They won't shut up. Yep. She just escorted all four of them out. I'm like, I wish every theater was like this. Damn. Wow. Frankly, frankly, I love the general life principle of don't be a snitch, but there are lines. That's there are line. lines That's, that need to be drawn. I think I think if you're being loud in a theater, it is pretty annoying. Well, Paris, I don't I, you could be you it, could be hitting the you could be hitting the big cush in two seats ahead of me. I would not snitch. If you are talking in the theater and you have your phone yeah, out and your kids are kicking the seat during don't breathe. Oh, whatever you do. I've killed. I've that was one of the most oh surreal like theater experiences of my life. Oh, Holy, like literally children laughing and they're like some edgy director is like trying to blow our minds and make us go. Oh, this is so edgy. And yeah. You remember when meth mommy needed a heart? I bet that hit really hard with the Sesame street demographic. <laughs> The macheteing some guy's arm off, and there's just three-year-olds behind so us. Like, what? Well, we were in the theater, and there was just straight up a family. Behind it was us. my birthday party. It was literally <laughs> my birthday party. Happy birthday! We went to Don't Breathe Two, and um, there was a family with like four kids, probably under the age of like six. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. My, my favorite part was that one of them, one of the middle-aged children kept buzzing the seat up and down. So with these new recliner seats, right? It goes, yeah. 
And like she, the mother like hits him and is like, "Stop! You're annoying people." And then like right next to him, the baby is screaming and like shaking a rattle, like 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 it's flatlining. Yeah, no. Like you said a moment ago, like literally there was reeing happening, like literal reeing. They were like kicking the seats. Kids just trying to like adjust his back and forth. He's like, "Stop it!" And like and like it was a late showing. It was it was like like 10 p.m. and it was literally us and that family. That, that was it. it. It was an empty theater. I would have been so pissed. <laughs> it was actually it actually created something special. Well, I don't think the movie doesn't seem like it's a. Uh, oh, it was not. How do you phenomenal. say too good? <laughs> and yet, because of that, it was unforgettable. Yeah, it <laughs> was unforgettable. Honestly, I think it was the theater experience on that one. Aaron, I want to know more about what that created in you. What oh. did it create? I, I can't even. I can't even put it to words. It was just like it. It was a sense of just. I, it was it was a form of surrealism, like because like just listening to children like literally laughing while you're watching. Okay, I, I guess I was projecting my mind into what this director is trying to do with their directorial debut. You know, it's like this is an edgy, low budget horror movie. I'm really gonna sell it. We're gonna go all in, all on all the violence, some emotional points to be enjoyed and while say the, there were points and while, while points. this is happening while this is happening we're just listening to children laugh and like the act it's one thing to say this it's another thing to just like literally be there and right. and, and you can't laugh about it because like they are right behind you right you can't no, really you formally I, they acknowledge can't know it. that i am judging them no for i, their I could definitely no, like five <laughs> children oh and then there I'm was a laugh. part then there was a part where they literally did like a field trip single file line down the stairs. Oh my and god! Back I was like, kids, make sure that you respectfully walk down the aisle Hold at the rated arms. R horror Hold movie. Your arms. I be love reverence. When parents take kids to like rated R movies, they definitely shouldn't be at. I think that's such a golden form of like real life comedy. Oh, because <laughs> that's that was, what it was. Dude, I was eight when Terminator Three came out. My friend's older brother was watching us and he's like no i just want to go watch terminator and so he took us to go see terminator 3 <laughs> and like he's like 17 we're literally eight and yeah. we're like this is the sickest thing ever in hindsight <laughs> that movie sucks <laughs> like, it was that or when he's like here you go and gave us a copy of full metal jacket at the age of seven nice. he's like you guys can find just you know control yourselves whatever yeah he didn't care i loved that we got away with so much stupid stuff. No, you, 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 you did. You said it right. It's a form of like genuine real life comedy that even in the moment, it's the kind of comedy too that you can't, like we were saying, formally acknowledge. You, you, you're forced into just experience. Just had to live through. You it. just experience it. You just have to just experience that kind of stuff. That was a birthday I'll never forget. <laughs> <laughs> it was a birthday. Really, and I think that's what I remember the best. I kind of apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, we better get started. Oh, do we? Do we have to? I got words to say. Those are real. That 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 was very. I'm glad we had that experience together, though. Yeah, I remember. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm thinking about for that better right or now. for worse, for in sickness or in health. In sickness or in health. <laughs> I can't. I'm bonded to that memory forever. <laughs> I mean, when you when you're gonna spend a night out on the town with your friends, you know what more could you want than a night you're you're never gonna forget. <laughs> This well, is true. I would like to add that that can take many shapes, and sometimes one of those shapes are ones that you would like to forget. I, I, I happen to know another one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, are yeah. you trying to say that you want <laughs> Okay, but do you want to forget Don't Breathe too? I don't. No. Not at no. all. No, it was essential. There's <laughs> that something That was essential viewing. Yeah. <laughs> but the album of the week, speaking of things that I deeply regret, 
No. Do you regret choosing this little ugly man on this? Let me not Mr. Thug isolation. It was not Mr. Thug isolation. I was going to say, so the album that we are reviewing this week is Lil Ugly Mane's Volcanic Bird Enemy and The Voiced Concern. And if you feel like that title doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's like a also, But you also don't understand what this album is about. And I I would kindly like to invite all of you rate your music teenagers to leave this discussion and exit this podcast now. We don't want you here. Now that the adults remain... Listen, when you read something, okay, you pull up the IMDb description for everything everywhere all at once, and it says, an aging immigrant tries to do her taxes. <laughs> now, a lot of you marbleheads who will wait 20 minutes in the theater after the credits to watch some guy pop up and say, hey, I'm Skippy McDippy. That was a good meme I saw. That was week. a good Thank meme. Thank you for referencing that. <laughs> yeah, yes. We've all seen the meme. I understand that you would not look at a movie description that says an aging immigrant tries to do her taxes and think that's got to be a great movie. But I don't know about you, but real adults with real taste look at a description like that and said, this has to be. The best movie that is ever made. <laughs> Me. It has it to be. It could be literally just that. It'd be like, yeah, that's probably a banger. It has to <laughs> be good. That. Because I know it's it's trying it's trying so hard to not try, to try again, but to not really try, that you know that so much level of thought that was put into the, it that even if you don't necessarily understand what it's going to be, it is going to be an experience. It's going to be something worth remembering. And we ca- we kick off with Bird Enemy Car, and we finish with Porcelain Slightly. So yeah, frankly, at no point do any of the song titles make sense. But if you've been riding with Lil Ugly Mane up to this point, you know he's been going through it. He got diagnosed with uh, MS or something. I think it was MS. <clears throat> um, That's rough. A few man. years ago. That's really He rough. really thought, according to the few social media posts that I made, it appeared that he legitimately thought he was going to die within that year, and that's what doctors told him. Wow. Um, and this was after he retired the Little Ugly Main project. Apparently, he pulled through. He released this album out of nowhere, totally changing up his sound, completely uh, getting far away from anything he's done before, which is not entirely true because if you listen to the three sided tape mixtapes, he clearly was kind of like around this territory with a number of his offerings. But I digress. The idea is. We have gone from Lil Ugly Mane, who is trying to be this incredibly hard, triple six mafia imitating rapper who masters the sound and brings the grittiest album in that genre that we've seen for decades. And now he's writing what essentially amounts to a hypnagogic shoegaze album. And I gotta say, it doesn't make sense unless you've been on this journey. So... I realized that I kind of dropped you at the end of this movie here and that you're seeing a cat put on something that had a lot of lead up beforehand. But I think it stands as a true artistic statement that, you know, five, you know, three albums ago, he was spitting bars like, girl, you heating up like a bagel in the microwave (laughs) to this volcanic bird enemy. Yeah, I got to say, I popped this on really not expecting what it was and um i i yeah i have zero context i had i have never heard anything by little ugly man and uh really really enjoyed this album like a yeah. lot like i will be listening to this quite a bit i 
the whole the like everything he's got going on these weird samples um and just when you think it's gonna break into like some bars or something he he turns it melodic and it's not what you expect the whole time like and and i don't know i i I just like really liked his droned out vocals this is this is definitely something that i uh this 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 fits in music that aaron usually listens to and um several tracks come to mind like i just i just really honestly there was not anything on it i did not enjoy i was really into this album i absolutely will be listening to this quite a bit more yeah i i was thinking about it for the first time as i was interfacing with it today to get ready for this show the first time you listen to the album the first time right yeah um i remember thinking like oh my god some of this is kind of like what aaron likes and i thought the parts that i actually don't really care for about this album which are like it's slower tempos um the fact that let's face it ugly can't really sing Uh, (laughs) and then the last part that it is just so eclectic and some of the songs are barely hold together by these crazy samples i was like you know what though i've seen aaron like a lot of things from say like dan the odd the automator or star pupper or star pupper Pupper, yeah (laughs) or like a lot of lo-fi stuff like car seat headrest i was like i think this might actually be up your alley 100 percent, it was yeah like i i was actually like not expecting it at all i because like the name little ugly man i it it's a rapper name so i'm like i'm like all right here we go you know i'll 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 go in and see what this guy's got to offer never had heard anything and then i was like oh shoot this kind of took me back to uh What's that lo- Lo-Fi Levi? Too? Yeah. It's like, it's like you clearly have it inside of you because like Lo-Fi right. Levi is an important album to you. This was big time a throwback to that energy. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I was, I really liked it. And those samples were so cool. Like that, that whole. I know. Where does he get all of these? Yeah, it was so sick. They're, they're awesome. Yeah. yeah. But you're right to bring up Dan the Automator. Totally kid right. koala it's like it's got that on the instrumental side but his vocals okay you can say he can't sing maybe i don't know what it is with me because like people feel the same way about car seat headrest but like i love that type of vocal. Oh, will torpedo well like will torpedo though he like intentionally doesn't sing right like you can tell sometimes it's like he intentionally is letting his voice break and crack. Oh, he lets it. He lets it break. Guy? Yeah. yeah. Never listened to he it. Lets it so. He, 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 he lets it. No, no, no. I, I like it. I love it. But I'm saying it's intentional. Yeah. When he lets it break. But like, I feel, and maybe I'm crazy, but I legitimately think he's got a way cool voice. No, I do too. I do too. I'm I, All I'm saying is, I do think Little Ugly Mane probably is trying a little harder to actually sound a, a different way than he comes out. Yeah. And I think Will. Toledo is actually pretty much doing exactly what he intends. Well, so, I don't, okay, this is the other thing I wanted to say. I want there, there's a few tracks on here, and you're gonna probably hate this that I'm gonna say it this way. But I like, am? If yeah, there was a, there was uh, one track I, I just really don't liked. Say it. Oliver Tree. I, I, it reminded Oliver me, Tree. <laughs> no, what was the name of that song? It's like cold, like the window. Cold in here. Cold yeah. in here. That song sounds like stoned Sugar Ray. That's what it sounds sure. like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Like, I think he is borrowing from a lot of influences. My favorite track on here is Styrofoam, uh, just because it is absolutely, what did someone describe it as? Like an ether soaked rag in the mouth of a Disney cartoon. Um, and, I, and I just think like, you know, he's pulling from all these influences, but the album itself has such a hazy, consistent theme to it. You know, I, I don't want to, be at the risk of like alienating people here. Um, but this album 
<clears throat> Mad Libs, The Unseen. To me, it sounds like the sensation of getting high, right? Because there's lots of random noises kind of in the background. The lyrics and verses are sparse and they're about weird things, right? This album to me sounds like being an alcoholic, right? Just the way that everything is like hazy and fuzzy and the way that noises and textures kind of combine in these unorthodox ways and sources that don't totally quite fit the key are put over drum beats that aren't quite drums all in kind of this hazy mumble to everything about just feeling like a ghost in your own life. To me, this, uh, to what little experience I have with drinking, this feels like as if I went a whole week completely drunk and just depressed out of my mind. It's like, it's that exact type of slurred blur to everything. Yeah, I could, I know I could, I could, I mean, I don't drink, but I could hear how that would be true. Because this thing is very wonky and just really strange like yeah. honestly when i turned this thing on this this whole experience was a game of expectations for me because i had heard not in its entirety but quite a bit of mr thug isolation nice that's all i knew yeah and so i was kind of expecting something like that though the album art because i i hadn't heard this until this week mm-hmm. the album art i was like whoa this looks like he's gonna go different vibe and i pressed play and i was just like waiting for yeah, some grimy beat to come. Bars. And it, the grimy beat just never came. And I was like, wow, this is like really surprising, honestly. Yeah. But no, I loved it. I like some of these samples and not even full melodies, but just little like whistles and tunes mm-hmm. are just like instantly ingrained in my head. Yeah. Like instantly. Like I, I came home and I heard Aaron listening to it downstairs and just, it was this little like whistle thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh dude, that's already like deep in here. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> some of this stuff, once you hear it once, it's just like stuck. Right. And, and I just find that really impressive. It did. Uh, it's a bummer. I like, I was going to do it this season and then I took it off. Maybe I'll anyway, the actually the avalanches come to mind mm-hmm. less cartoony, but like that whole, I love that sample with the Satan. The, oh yeah, yeah, the devil. That thing. was super cool. Well, and I just think about like it matches the album cover perfectly because you have like a big a big stuffed bird and you have like a policeman, but the policeman's like a puppet mm-hmm. who looks goofy, and then just some guy like drunk and passed out on yep. the bar. And I'm like, that is what this album sounds like. I I think that don't hug me. I'm scared. The album. Yeah. Well, maybe, but like compared to say something that's just relentlessly dark, right? Like a lot of emo albums or something like I shouldn't say emo cuz emo's quirky too. But you take like the real oh, I'm in my bag this album, right? Where it's a, it's so personal and I'm so hurt. I think ugly pairing that with this very cartoony uh wacky set of instrumentation and visuals actually makes the depressing parts of this album even darker because there is like a painted on mask on top of it, right? It's not, it's not just like, I'm going to sit down with an acoustic guitar and scream my feelings, which can also be cathartic, right? It's like, it's very, the, the mix of the two elements, the kiddish bouncy joy and the absolutely booze ridden passed out on a dirty bar type lyrics. I think those paired very nicely together and just made it, Ironically, all the more sobering to listen to. Cody, what do you think? 
I didn't know this album existed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I saw a little ugly main and I just had to look it up. Cause I was like, when was this? It was four years ago. Um, and he played at urban lounge with a band called spirit adrift, which shares members with gate creeper. Mm. They're both death metal bands. It was interesting lineup to say the least. And at the time, what was he touring? I don't know. I just, I was like, Oh, little ugly main's coming. All right, cool. I'll yeah. go. That was it. That was the end of my thought process. I was like, I just want to go mosh. <laughs> right. Um, and Spirit of Drift is sick. So that was my real draw. Less Little Ugly made more. I want to see riffs. So mm-hmm. I went for that. But I had no idea that this album even came out. Yeah, I don't know was, if this album's got riffs. Sorry, Cody. It doesn't. That's no okay. Riffs. I don't expect my like hip-hop music adjacent whatever to have riffs for the yeah, most part. Yeah, what the heck is this? Um, but no I, I turned on the album and like, the first few tracks, I was like, oh, man, this little more speed or we need to like i don't know i'm in just a mood of like things need to be a little shorter like yeah. let's let's cut a little bit out trim the fat but after those first few songs i think styrofoam is that the yeah. name of it was like the first one i was like oh, okay never mind i think i get it yeah um but a lot of the instrumentation for whatever reason just struck me as though i was listening to de la soul mm. or new yeah mm. those were the two things that i really especially the instrumental tracks i was like this could be on a new Jabba's album and no one would be any the wiser. <laughs> and yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I, there was a lot that of fits look. the Dan, the automator comment. Yeah. Big time. Oh, I didn't save which ones clapping seal. I did hate that song. That but, one was uh, rough. That um, one, that one actually is not super great. Okay. No. What was the deal with the 30 that, seconds of silence? That was also, yeah, yeah. I was noticed that yeah. Don't even, don't even hate that was based. But, I mean, no, no, no. It literally, <laughs> I have no idea if it's on purpose. Yo, the first time it happened, I was walking around at work and I literally just thought like my AirPods DC. Yeah. I was like, the frick man. And I, and I like, opened it up and it took me a while to realize. Yeah. Okay. Beach harness into discard though is sick. Yeah. I, I was super into that part, but yeah, no, I'd say for the most part, like, I don't think this is an album that I'd sit and listen to the whole thing. Cause I just don't think it needs to be an hour long, but I do enjoy parts of it. And I think one of the songs, I think it might've been beach harness ended up on like my monthly playlist. Nice. Yeah, I, w- I will Death agree. Metal. An hour is, was too long <laughs> for this. Clapping seal is mid. I do think that headboard kind of has a riff though. I'll have to listen to it again. That it last track also porcelain. Slightly. There's uh, yeah, there's actually like guitars on it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I understand that. Uh, I don't know that I'm going to call it a criticism, but your point, Cody, I, I understand that because I do think it is probably a little long for what it's doing, but it also kind of fits because that was my first take. I listened to this album twice and the first time through, I was kind of like, might be a little long, but the second time I just kind of let it do its thing. And I don't know. It's like, it's one of those albums where like I would just turn it on. I actually did. I, I took a whole bunch of portraits today of my cousin and i was like just doing a whole bunch of photo editing and i just turned it on that's like perfect it's Mm -hmm. it's just like set the mood in the room and it just went for like an hour Mm. and it worked really good so i think yeah if you're like sitting down like I'm going to sit down with a pair of headphones, just listen to this and probably it's not going to do too well no I, i i don't think it's so much like an album shouldn't be this long. I think there was just some songs that probably could have been B sides. Is yeah, more my thing. Some of it, some of it was not like I, I don't know. For the most part, I think it did pretty well at being consistent. But it is, I don't know. I don't yeah. know what to say. About I, I it. do think. I yeah, I, I think. Yeah, what you were saying at the beginning, like having background with Star Pupper and Washed Out. 
that's the other one. that this made me think of washed out a lot have you ever listened to them no i think i have yeah probably wa- on your recommendation washed out that it's this kind of thing it's, yeah it's this kind of thing but i really what i really specifically liked about this was uh the the drone lyrics the the the, mm-hmm. the vocal was really good <laughs> yeah no i oh, liked the yeah. vocals too did we I, give this album for the show? No. So I just listened to it on my own volition. <laughs> okay. Oh, you can't believe it. Well, no, I just, I was like, I recognize the, that. The cover game. to their newest album even kind of fits the aesthetic of what's going on here. But I, yeah, I will say, um, the, the whole like kind of jacked up cartoon vibe mixed with the deadpan vocals did add something that I was just like, this is really unique. I, yeah. I think like, Seriously, some of those samples, I'm dead serious. It's just like, it's hard to even just try to say what I'm saying, but like say what's in my head. But it's just like, I hear some of these samples and it's just like immediately, it's almost like I've heard that sample forever. Mm-hmm. It's like hard to explain, but like that, yeah. the first track that who are you? Yeah. Who are like that type of thing? It's just like, dude, I'll never get that out of my head. It's one <laughs> like <I> ever. Think, <laughs> yeah. Little Ugly Man, just kind of in general with his music, it gives me that kind of adult swim of the early 2000s umbrella. Like, this is something that if I were really into Aqua Teen Hunger Force, which, check, I could listen to this. Like, it's things that I feel like could just go together. It's kind of got that vibe. And I think Adult Swim's done a lot of stuff with music. Ugly is only, like, a degree, two degrees away from Adult Swim, too. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he's been on Ugly one of their, was like, singles by comps. Odd Future, which was, had a show. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. that's how ugly got put on the map was like Earl sweatshirt was, I think going through a list of likes with mash or something like that. Mashable who, I don't know those. It's a website. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, two things I like most. He's like being back in America and that song throw them guns by little ugly man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that's like a crazy time capsule thing too, man. You just, so like, do you think Earl, I was, I went and saw that tour that odd future did where they did like the free Earl tour. It was like 2012. And yeah, no, I just, this album fits that vibe of like 17 year old Cody. So, (laughs) so if he really does have MS though, I mean, that really, that really could be like serious though. So who knows how long he'll be around, but like, as far as have you heard anything about a possible future, or like, has he said zero? Not, not really. I, I don't really, I'm not really on social media in general. And the way that I found out about that was I happened to be looking on the little ugly main subreddit like four years ago mm. and just trying to find like his rare releases and stuff. And one of them was a screenshot of his Instagram account being like, Hey, I was diagnosed with this thing. I don't know how much longer I have left. Mm. Um, and to whatever degree he's pulled through, I mean, I guess he's probably still around longer than he thought he was at that moment. Yeah. Um, but it's tough to say. And honestly, since um, really since Mr. Thug isolation, like it's been well documented that both his mental and physical health have started de- deteriorating pretty badly. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just kind of... Uh, he made a tweet forever ago. He's like, I can't believe that I made a song about lean. Like it's ruined my life and the life of people around me. And he's like, I regret endorsing so many things in a previous life, but he's like, but that's what I was about then. It's what you had to do to be hard. So, you know, like 
I don't know. Uh, and the other thing is that Ugly is like 30. <laughs> like, <laughs> at, at, in the time of this album, I think he's like 35, maybe older. Um, yeah, I don't know. The guy just legitimately has been going through it. So I take it he probably will not return to the 3-6 sound-ish vibe. I would be very surprised because he had no hint of it on his last Ugly main release prior to this, which was Oblivion Access. And his three-sided tape series, if you listen, like it has everything from a lot of that Nujabe style to straight up like sound collage to straight up black metal. Like he just does everything on that third side of tape series. So I, and he's been around since like 2005 too. He's credited on doing a whole bunch of things. I really think that the odd, that the three, six mafia sound was something that he happened to fall into with a certain group of people did briefly and now wants out of. I see. Interesting. Yeah, definitely an interesting project, which is why you should go listen to space ghost perp who is still keeping it alive. Or you could just That's listen to Three Six Mafia. It's <laughs> still around. You could, well, Triple Six Mafia, not Three Six Mafia. Three Six Mafia is a bunch of posers. Triple Six Mafia, they they were the real ones. I recognize it's mostly the same guy. Yeah, I was like, I think there's one less dude, and it's because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. 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 Rest in peace, Lord Infamous. Infamous. You know how we get down. That's my favorite picture of all time is Lord Infamous and DJ Paul just with Uzis. Yeah. And they're just like flexing in a picture with guns and that's it. Yeah. I, I think it's great. Oh, yeah. That's one thing I did want to ask. How has he been doing that puppet thing at all? Or is that only with this album? Uh, it appeared on the cover of Third Sided Tape Part 2. Gotcha. Because I thought it was a cute puppet. That puppet's pretty the, cool. His, his, uh, his background on Spotify is so sick. It's cool. Yeah. Like, that's so freaking It is so perfect. cool. I love that. Um, I can just imagine that puppet spitting hot bars. <laughs> Yo, have you, um, have you gone and watched those uh, Ableton tutorials that are from a puppet like that? Oh, Reed Stefan? Yeah. Yes, Dude. I know what you're talking about. Realist puppet in the game. Yeah. Literally, I'm just like, a puppet why? tutorials. I just, uh, I've seen so many gimmicks at this point that I really thought I'd seen it all. <laughs> and then a puppet was giving me Ableton tutorials. Yeah, what I'm going to say is that puppet gives Ableton Dude, tutorials. And I have bought whole I mean, loops packs yeah, no. because of that puppet. Like straight up, that puppet's tutorial videos are baller. You know, they are CJ good. also backs them. Because I, I, one time yeah. I made fun, I was like, I was like, Yo, Jake's over here watching a puppet teach him how to make music, and then he's just like, Reed Stefan? <laughs> like, That's the real deal. Reed Stefan! <laughs> Realest puppet in the game. <laughs> he'll, like, he'll like have like real people on the show, too. Realest puppet like, in the game. Like, you'll, you'll see like some professional vocalist in the booth, and like in front of her is just like a guy like doing a puppet. <laughs> I know. I mean so that with funny. like, yeah, not in the sense. You know how <laughs> annoying it would be to do that? Like, yes, it would be. I know he has to record it and then like record him doing the puppet vaguely to the sound of his voice. It's a whole new level. I know, but I just it's working for him. It is. I don't know. No, it's it's Cody, legendary. Cody's got it's some iconic. Self control. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> There's a puppet that I know, teaches I, I you how to make gist. music. I get the gist. Read Stefan. I'm just coming up with it in my brain because I've I never say, seen it. He's probably, he's probably the most popular puppet amongst 18 to 25-year-old white guys. This oh, well, that would true. make sense why I have no idea what it is. I'm 27. 
Okay, so the topic is, is there any sort of objectivity when it comes to good and bad in music? Yes. And the question, the follow-up question is, does skill matter yes. at all? Okay, so we got a double yes over here. All right, Make so your case. up here at the top, John Petrucci. It's just everything down trickles. You're not. That's not an, that's not an argument. <laughs> yes, it is. Trickle down guitar. John Petrucci is my source. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, Dr. Manhattan. So, up. yo, no. So, okay. Van no, Halen like, is like, the greatest guitarist to ever walk this planet. Okay, boomer. <laughs> so, okay, but here's the thing is, um, you think that there is objectivity. No, I just wanted to get a hot take Jimmy, Jim, oh. Jimi Hendrix, greatest guitarist ever. All along the Watchtower, man. You can just say that. You can say that about so many people. Who? Steve Vai, greatest guitarist ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we you all can, know it's Satch. You can say it about anything. That's yeah. that's why this is even a question. Yeah. And we've talked about this question a billion and one times, but I still think it's interesting because um, specifically, I, I was the one that actually came up with this topic. Specifically, yeah. I wanted to, us to talk about it in context of skill. And what do you guys think? I mean, you can objectively quantify skill, I suppose, or can you? You can get can uh, you or can't you? You can get closer. I mean, so consider this, right? So I really like making music. That's my thing. I'm interested in assembling songs in a way that is interesting. You take my brother Zach. Every time I've asked him to help throw down a track with us, he's like, "I'm not interested. I'm not interested." Right? But he played the tenor drums right in high school, and he practiced so hard that he eventually made it up to one of the best drum corps in the entire United States. So he's really technically proficient at an instrument to a level where he would have at one time be considered in the top 0.1% of people who play that instrument, right? But at the same time, he's not really interested in using those skills to construct anything that I would say is creative or unique or tries to be creative or unique. So I would view almost your desire to do songwriting, your desire to have like an expression of yourself versus your desire to get proficient with an instrument as almost orthogonal skills. Yeah. Well, so, cause I, I think of my good friend, uh, once producer of the show, Matt, rest in peace, my, my man, rest Matt, his out. dad is insanely musically talented, but he talks about music almost like, yeah, like, he doesn't, he really does not engage with music in like a, he, he has a natural ability for music, but he does not like enjoy the medium itself. He doesn't listen to music. He doesn't seek opportunities to pursue it. Insanely, insane natural talent. Very good at the violin mm -hmm. and other instruments. Actually, he's, he's got perfect pitch. You can say a note and he can. Nice. He's going to lose that. Is that like a study? Yeah. But people but, with perfect pitch lose it. But interesting. But yeah, he has like zero interest for the medium. And yeah. it was actually a point of contention between him kind of and his son where Matt was very interested in the medium, but, uh, and was also technically good. But mm. like that lack of interest in the medium from his dad, it just, it, it's weird. It's almost, it almost feels like I don't understand it. Actually. Do you understand it in your brother? Cause like, I, I think I understand a little bit of what it is and how it relates to where I think it gets real dicey is in terms of assessing an album or a songs or a band's quality, so to speak, because I could theoretically come up with a situation 
in which you were trying to write a prog album, but you had never played an ounce of guitar in your whole life. Could you write a compelling prog album? No. I'm inclined to say probably not. No, you can just say no. But I would also not probably say entirely no either, because a lot of great things have come out of places, especially with outsider art, places where people didn't necessarily have talents that were considered in line with, oh, you have to learn this in order to make this type of music. Mm. For one, I think that I've just discovered a lot of like MIDI music lately, where people will... Um, just do MIDI drum parts, MIDI guitar, MIDI pianos, MIDI bass, and have a Vocaloid sing on top of it. And it's obviously like not real instruments. They don't even try to hide that fact. But then I've listened to some of these songs and I've thought, wow, this is actually like pretty impressive compositionally. Like, and so where would I judge that? Would I judge that as a pop song? Would I judge that as a rock song? Like, should I judge it in the same way as a band of five people playing those instruments? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a good question. I, okay, so yeah, no, you're bringing up. Well, first of all, I wanted to say with the MIDI thing, it's weird. There's a lot of metal that's MIDI metal. Yes, like, especially drums. So this is uh, I shouldn't be saying this on air, but I have ins- insider industry knowledge that um, probably about ninety to ninety-five percent of mainstream metal records, their drums are entirely sample replaced. Mm. Holy fetch. I have no idea, but I'd it, mainstream. Yeah, I'd believe it. Yep. Um, but the it's other, all the Travis Barker sample. Pack. The other thing, yep. the other, <laughs> all of it, dude, Travis, Travis legendary blink one eighty two. Travis Barker and, uh, uh, Zuck making great little samplers for messenger. Am I right? What? That happened. That really yeah. happened. That was a link. Yeah. TB's right. TB's. I can't blame him, but can't, he's kind no, of sold okay, out. Okay, all right, right. But no, no, no. What you brought, br- bring up is what is like the value then of live music? Because when you're saying the music itself can be g- almost generated and executed perfectly and have really like compelling production, but then is it the same thing as five people playing it? And and the answer to that is just no, it is not. You go and watch sure. a Dream Theater concert and it it's freaking amazing. Like I, I even if you don't like the music at all, you just you know, you have to give them credit. You you well, have but now, to. But now you're, you have to give them credit. I'm what you're doing, Aaron, is you're proposing that, you know there, are like, that there are like these two different axes, right? There's this axis of how much do I like it and how good it is. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that that exists. Either. Well, the thing is that 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 axis, the second axis about how good it is. That's that's been my problem this whole time. This is just like I feel like it's the same axis. How good it is is probably correlated to how much you like it yeah but i don't like dream theater well, that's fine but i I'm don't saying, care and like, about there's them. some bands artists whatever that probably exist outside of that correlation they're all berkeley trained musicians like objectively speaking they're viciously talented well so yeah, yeah. that doesn't mean Let's that it's gonna it mean anything language, to you though, right because i can say i could say to you yeah, I think Dream Theater is a good band, but I don't like them. And the fact that I can say that to you and that makes sense, like you understand how I feel about them, that's not nothing, right? So even if I say, oh, I think how much you like them is how good they are, that's different from me saying I don't like Dream Theater or me saying I really like Dream Theater. I've communicated a different set of emotions to yeah. you. Yeah, no, 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 I, I can hear that. Um, while you guys were talking, just what this conversation is, keeps making me think of is that you guys have probably heard it, but that Picasso quote, the he said, 
learn the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. Sure. And I'm curious what you guys think about that. Like, do you think, do you think you have to learn the rules like a pro to break them like an artist? I mean, in ways I, th- I don't, I do not think you do. I, I, I mean, I, I, I understand what's being said there. And I think that it is a true concept, but like, uh, I don't, I wouldn't put an absolute around it because like, I think I, I, I go back to, and their history has gone. They were so cool at one time and aren't very cool now, but like, Rage. Oh, oh no. Okay. Go. <laughs> I remember watching OK Go talk about how they oh, okay, they f- they felt music to be or everything creative is a discovery process. It's not a it's an exploration. It's not a realization of anything aside from explore exploring. And if you're exploring, then it's not like you were necessarily intending to find anything. You were just digging around. And and I think in that way, maybe you could call it all just an accident, but. It wasn't completely an accident because they they went on the exped- expedition themselves. You know what I mean? They they weren't they weren't going about it trying to to know everything so that they could make the best thing. They just accepted that it was a big enough thing that there was no way for them to fully understand everything going on there, and they went in head first. And I, anyway, I I don't think to make something of artistic merit you have to know everything. Well, I don't think it's saying you have to know everything, but it's saying in order to because you be- won't in order to bend something or create something, it comes from taking pre-existing elements and giving it a new identity or a new life. Like I just think that's how pretty much all art is. It's like painting; you're just literally taking like pigments and liquids and making it something else. And like, I don't know, like that quote by Picasso, it's always, I heard it a few years ago. And ever since I heard it, it, I mean, it has interested me because I don't know. I just think of people like Flume, right? And like him or not, he has an insanely unique style. And there are a lot of people now that are kind of doing his style. But if you look at it historically, like that guy is very unique, super crazy, wonky rhythms, weird pitching, all sorts of stuff. The thing is, in order to make that, he had to have understand what rhythm is. I like he 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 knows rhythm, and because he knows rhythm so well, he can intentionally say, "No, nah, I'm going to screw that rhythm." But up. I don't think he knows everything about it. And well, I, I never and, said he knows everything I, about I, it. I also think that a lot of that there is legitimate grounds for. They didn't a person like Flume. Probably, I don't know Flume's full story. And uh, so I'm not going to assign this narrative to him specifically, but like some people have just natural talent. They, they really understand things a certain way and are able to express it in through certain mediums just naturally. And, and if you ask them about it, they can't even tell you why or how they just can. And, uh, anyway, I I mean, I think that plays into what we're talking about to say like, to say that he doesn't understand rhythm, though, because that's kind of the opposite. No, and, and I, I just don't think that's even. No, yeah, no, he true. has an understanding. That's well, that, but that's kind of what the quote is. He's saying, "Learn the rules so that you can break them." See, but and, I, and like I, I don't know. You can't really break them if you don't even know about. For it. me personally, it feels like I, I generally carry around the, the idea that like. And this is just me, but like when I learn more, 
it boxes me in. So I, I have a hard time with, with what's with that quote in practice. Cause it's, it, it feels to me like the more I learn, the more I just think about the same five things that were taught to me instead of approaching something where I, I'm not biased by any form of direction I'm supposed to go. And I just do. And I, I don't know. I think it's different for everyone. But I, I definitely think there are, see these rules too. If you really break that down, what is he talking about? Learn what rules, the common rules in art, the, the common approaches that people take. Well, is I that mean, what you're learning? Well, I mean, like, like think of like photography. So you have like framing and photography. There is like very clear, specific, objective principles and techniques. But why are like they rule objective? Of thirds, why right? are they objective? Because well, they've been commonly practiced. Okay, sure. But like historically, you can say rule of thirds explicitly means aligning the subject on a third of the frame. Like that is just a rule. It doesn't mean you have to follow it. It's just that is what the rule of thirds is. And if you understand what the rule of thirds is and you intentionally screw it up, then I, I, I then, then, then to it's, me to me it's like you understand you you came to understand what the common behavior is and then you went against it. That's that's what the quote says. Well, yeah, but like the, I well not entirely. If, if if using the word rule, I just think is a little risky to me because it's like who says it's an actual rule? That's just like what people do. Because like a hipster learns what the common person does and then does the opposite. It's kind of the same principle. The reason a hipster has identity is because they're basing it off of the common identity and then inverting it. And then and telling you that an Arcade Fire album's good, and that's just not going to happen. Dude, messed have you, up. Have, have you heard that new album, We? Nope, and I won't. Dude, it goes hard. It better be about the Nintendo console that introduced motion controls. W-I-I. Yes. The album is called We, W-I-I. I wish. <laughs> I might listen to it then. We play... Yeah, no, I mean, so I definitely believe you can do that. I don't know if that is the end all. This is Cody, what creates a, art. Cody, I have a real question for you. Are you ready for this? This is, this is related to the topic. If you had a five-piece prog band that released an album, you would listen to them, right? Possibly. Now, say they had everybody but the drummer, and the drummer was programmed. As I mean... Would you listen to that album? I'd probably give it a shot, but I do think that like drums, especially in Prague, they're kind of quintessential. Okay, you have and everybody but the drummer and the bassist. Would you listen to that album? I, I mean, if you keep making everything up and one person's just programming stuff, I'm checking out pretty quick. What? I don't care. But anymore. where? Where's the line? Well, the line is probably at having one fake band member. I'm already checking out pretty much. One out of fake the, band if member. You have the lot because I interact. What if it's got fat Let me riffs? finish what I'm saying. <laughs> I interact with music live a ton. Yeah. And if you have the inability to have one of those members perform that music live, then I don't care. But the I, other guys are up there and they're That's fine. They're doing great. But they're only they they're only rips. four out of five components to the whole. It's quickly <sighs> becoming an Instagram reel where we watch somebody do an amazing solo, but we don't care because they're not part of anything. We but care they're about. playing to the track. Yeah. No, no, no. He's right about this. You <laughs> find, the, you find these kids on YouTube. Weird. You find these kids on YouTube that can outperform Steve Vai, mm -hmm. and you don't care about that kid because he has nothing. Well, I don't care about that kid for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but like the thing is, is it, it is like 
and this comes back to what we've talked about on the show so much, but like the packaging is also so important. You're cruising, yeah. you're cruising the internet. You see, you see Bull Moose Gaming playing Duke Nukem. You click that thing. You don't care. He, you know, he's not part of anything directly. <laughs> That's probably a good choice. <laughs> you know, that takes real man to say that. It does. But no, he's I mean, talking about me, by the way. <laughs> I, I, man, Jake, I really hear where you're coming from. The reality is. I have no idea because I sense that there is I sense that there is a correlation between your proficiency in instruments and skills relating to something and how good your expression is, right? I sense that there is a correlation there, but I have so many examples on both sides to say like, "Oh, but this outsider art is really good. Oh, but this this rap album made by Denzel Curry, who is clearly great at it and has studied a lot and knows what he's doing and has gotten a lot of like mentors, it's also obviously great. But the thing is, is the fact that you that you even call it outsider art. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. what does that even mean? Yeah. That, what does that even mean? That means that means that they are outside of something. The right. norm. The norm. I think it's the norm. So okay, that, but but how is that really different than what Picasso said? Well, I, really I think yeah, but uh, don't know because I I agree with you that to say like don't call it rules that's restrictive. First off, what even are rules? Not everything is a mathematical principle. If you're saying anything is a rule, if it was made up at some point, then you're disregarding a lot of social yeah. constructs yeah, no, that are see, very see, helpful. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like I think Picasso is not saying something untrue, but I don't think that it is the truth. That's what I'm trying to say. For for one, yeah, I, yeah, I can agree with that. I think I actually completely disagree with Picasso. Hmm. I think <laughs> the the idea of learn the rules so you can break them is not useful in generality. Where I think it is useful is if you are at the specific point that Picasso and many people like him were at where you were technically proficient at something to the point where people were willing to pay you for it, but you were lacking a little something extra, right? That's when you pull the little ugly man and you release a hypnagogic pop-out. Put on a scarf. Right? Put on that's, a scarf. That's when you go, to go Picasso school. and suddenly you start doing really weird things, right? That's when you do Lady Gaga, who used to have some name before, like Siegfried or something, right? So how And do you, then she how, became Lady Gaga, right? How does this disagree with what he's saying, though? Because this sounds exactly... Exactly like what he's well, saying. Well, what, what I'm saying is, I think his advice applies very specifically to people like Picasso. Yeah. I don't think it applies in general. Generally. So, that is, okay, we're saying the same thing. So, but let's say you've got a bedroom musician. Right. So, what do they do? Nothing? Find like, you have to learn how to, you have to learn music. I agree. Like, yeah. so, I mean, what? I, I think don't I, learn scales. Don't learn how to learn works. it all. Yeah, but I don't no, care I, about what you're doing while you're learning. I'm not coming to you to watch a clinic for whatever instrument you're doing. <laughs> or literally, literally, I still just literally don't understand how this is not all falling have, under the quote. Have your, because to me, everything you guys are saying falls under the quote. You're no, 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 no. I don't think so because like your friend comes over the okay go example. Like your yeah. friend comes over, he shows you how to finger a nice. C, C chord and a G chord, okay? And you're just like, holy crap. And then you sell that. You didn't learn anything. You don't even know how that works. And there are artists that do that all the time. Well, so let's approach this from the opposite angle. I don't always think it's valuable to break rules. I think especially if you are a professional photographer or you are, say, a 
professional painter who's been commissioned to do something, right? Unless they're specifically hiring you for your daring and edginess, you want to stick within the bounds. I think for a lot of people, it's actually safer to not break the crazy idea, right? So that's why I'm saying both from the angle of say you have a bedroom producer, right? Learn as much as you want, as much as you feel gets you to the point where you want to be, right? And if you're at the other angle where you're trying to make a living, actually don't break the rules. But if you're in a very specific position like Picasso, where you want to take your career from well-respected to legend, then yes, I think his his advice is worth I it. I think, yeah, it, like it, it, along with what is being said there, it's like, like if you're learning what you, I think the better question is, what are you trying to create? Like what is in your head? And then don't let, don't let the external scene define what you're going to do or not do. So this is how like outsider art happens is sometimes these people legitimately have mental illness. Like they're, they're unable to perform socially in certain ways. They have no perception of what is happening. And, and I, I think if you're, if you, his quote is talking towards, if you're going to like let the society, the, the scene around the whole thing really play a role in your creative process. If you just don't care about it, you don't have to care about it. Well, and consider Picasso's time. Is this too much bike shedding? I don't know what bike shedding is. Is this too much like getting into the weeds about this? No, no, that's, that's what topic of the week's for. Here's, here's what (laughs) I would consider about Picasso's time too, is it is a very, it is a relatively recent idea that children can grow up and choose what they want to do. That's, that's not, that wasn't the case for most of human history. So if you're talking about in a time like Picasso's or in the time of a lot of great artists or great composers, they frequently had training from a very young age. And not only that, they needed to be accepted into a community where people would teach them or would promote them or would sell their art or something like that. And to a degree, that's still similar here, right? But if you want to become a blacksmith, right? For the most part, you couldn't just decide to become a blacksmith. You had to get into it with a trade from a young age, be mentored, become a journeyman, establish yourself in that community so people would talk about you and recommend your services, right? So if you consider where Picasso comes from, frankly, the 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 entry for being an artist at all was learning the rules. It was about doing enough to be accepted into the culture of art, which now exists on a much broader scale, thanks to the internet and kind of cultural innovations, right? But at his point, as an artist, you had no choice but to learn the rules for the most part to become accepted. And so I I think it's more reflective of the place he was in at the time than, and would be true of somebody, say somebody comes up to Picasso and says, I want to be the artist. He's like, well, you have to learn the rules because who else is going to hit the road, go over to Italy and sell your art, right? Okay, but like, but just think of like a guitarist, right? Yeah. Steve Vai had to learn the rules of music. He had to. There is no other way. There is no other way. Yeah. So once you learn it, then you choose what to do with it. Right. And I, I don't know. The I just, rules of music, though. I mean, I, I yeah, no. It's, it's otherwise it's, you are it's, hitting it's random onion, keys. It's onions. See, I, I it's onion know. skin to me though, Jake, because like the, otherwise the, the, the way we formalized even scales. You look at world music. Let's just go outside of what we know but in scales. Western society. They're major, scales. minor, key. Like some simple like that. 
no, no, no. But like different, different parts. There, right. There, there are different. There are different. Like when you're talking about waves, there are different. Oh, no. wa- there are no. There's <laughs> different ways. Yeah. There's different ways to break that down, and like different uh, m- instruments and musicians. In, in if you look in at the the world, they think about music inherently different. Sure, for so sure. their quote rules of music are are different. And, and absolutely, it, so, which implies the quote rules of music are relative. Absolutely, nobody said they weren't. Who said they were? Well, I'm just trying to say, like, I don't know what the rules of music are. Basically. Well, it depends on the time period, and it depends on so much. But uh-huh. what what I'm saying is, if like, if you look at the ancient Egyptian rules of music and compare them to modern American rules of music. Night and day, way different. Okay, so but they are rules nonetheless. I'm I'm trying to get where you come from, just so I can understand the question. Are you asking like, are we arguing that Steve Vai could accomplish what he accomplished without ever learning music? Is that yeah? I'm saying that's asking? impossible. I would agree that that's impossible. Yeah, I'd agree. With and that. I, but I would also say that if we didn't have someone like Chuck Berry come along and decide how the guitar could be used for something like rock and roll, thereby breaking the rules or perhaps not even having formal training, right? That's, I I would argue that's also valuable and he should also be considered great because he created a new way for guitar to be. Literally it's like, it's cause like Jimi Hendrix was another guy who really did break down the way people were thinking about guitar solos. Tom Morello is probably the contemporary, the, the the one that comes to mind for me. He but, did something with his solos that nobody else was doing. I guarantee those dudes grew up though learning guitar, just like classical, just learning. The thing about Morello though is like he's Morello. His riffs are <laughs> his riffs are essentially what I feel like everybody starts with on the guitar. Freedom, he's freedom, he's freedom, playing freedom, the E string, freedom. but then like he's just like, playing around the like e Tom Morello making his guitar sound like a record player like that is using a guitar and intentionally not using it right because he knows how to use it right. And he's choosing I, not I, to use it right. I actually don't think Tom Morello knows his skills. I bet. Oh, I like, no. I, okay. Oh, he, for, I, Oh my God. I'm interested. In I, this, bet, I bet he doesn't. No, I'm interested he in absolutely this specific distinction though, because you're saying like Tom Morello learned how to play a guitar now we agree that there's a scale there, right? There's like I have a PhD in guitar versus like I took enough lessons to write songs, right? Yeah, I mean learning is learning. I, don't, I learning don't know. is learning. Yeah, but and then talking about was his making his guitar sound like a record player? Was that him learning the rules and then breaking it, or was it him just having an unorthodox approach and therefore being able to apply it? You, you get where I guess I that mean, wasn't well. No, no, no. I mean, I, I get what you're trying it, to say it's with kinda, it. But it's like, kind of like, okay, like a lot of people like with the education system basically just say it's created to turn us into factory workers, kill people, burn stuff, is, screw is, school. Is everybody factory workers because of is being a factory worker the correct thing? Aaron, you got to stop with the blanket statements. You know what that does. But, but, but like, no, I guess what I'm just trying to say is like the common truth I will accept as the common truth. The common approach could be the common approach. I don't think you have to know it to create something. Specifically, his quote is dealing with artistic merit. You do not have to know what's going on in in the academic realm of a thing to create something of artistic merit. 
I may not hurt though. I definitely, no, I, I think I'd agree with Aaron. I, and if we're talking specifically about like academics and everything, someone actually mentioned this on Twitter the other day. It was a joke about how like, Oh man, the Haitian revolutionaries in the early 1800s, they really just loved their marks. And then they're like, just kidding. They did that without any theory. Like, and, it, oh. I, and I can definitely like, I can see where they're coming from. Like, you don't necessarily have to be trained in X to do X. No, like, no, no. You I'm, can figure it out. And I, I mean, I agree. The thing about it is that that's why this was a two-parted question with the, with the objectivity because artistic merit is completely up to the artist. Is and, it? And I, think, I think I think artistic merit is up to the consumer, not the creator. I don't know about that. Death I think you create art for you. Death of the artist. I think. I, no, no, no. I, I, I like you, that. My like. You I like I, art for yourself, it, or at least you. It should. was. It was uh, one of the Looney Tunes animators. He his quote. I love it. Is that the the title artist is not self proclaimed. It's assigned. So like what you can't call yourself an artist. Somebody can call you an artist, but that's the only time the word should be used. Composer, illustrator, are those ones okay? <laughs> sure, those, are, those sound more technical, do they not? Though <laughs> artist means that you are an, a being of art, like uh, of, of of all art. people to say that a Looney Tunes animator. <laughs> Some crazy animation skills. I'm not saying doing. it's not crazy animation. I'm just saying like, okay, now we're talking about lines of artists is drawing iframes of Bug Bu- Bugs Bunny's stomach expanding. <laughs> all right, we got to close out. We do, but okay. it's it's been a good discussion. Chaos. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more to be said there. There right? is. No, there is. I'm not trying to. We just have to. We wildin'. You already know we, we what's about to happen. I already put yeet on. I can't put yeet on no more. Sure you can. I can't do that. I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna recommend a triple six hit. Nice. Uh <laughs> I'm gonna recommend a triple uh, six. Oh no, hit. I'm not. I can't say these words on the air. Say them anyway. <laughs> oh never mind. I have I, I have a good one. Just I have say a good heck. one. Underground volume one, nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety four. This album, great background funk for your working sessions. I'm gonna recommend the track Paul with the forty five. Which they say it exactly like that. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um early triple six most of it didn't even have bars. It just had one guy saying something on repeat for like six minutes. And now that stuff's popular on YouTube again, thanks to Ryan Celsius sounds. Let's so go, if you want to listen, Celsius. if you want to listen to some OG funk, which nobody knows what funk is even anymore. Uh, check this, check out this track. If you don't know how to spell it, get out. Yeah. Literally leave the chat. <laughs> um, I'll put it in the playlist by the way. Uh, Yo, uh, wait, you're putting his song in the playlist? If I can find it on here. Oh, okay, chill. Oh, oh, because he doesn't have Spotify. I have to find Spotify. No, I have it still. So, I got you. Um, Ryan Celsius, do you know if he's still doing Trapping in Japan? I don't know. Or is that a dead project? I don't. I Honestly, there comes a point where I feel like maybe it's time to just like lower the flag on that a little bit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because now, you know what we have now? We have like these compilations of Russian funk. I don't know if I'm allowed to listen to that because we're supposed to stand with Ukraine, even though it's basically like a North and the South and the Civil War type of thing. So I don't know how much we really should get involved. But here's the thing. Now we have these dope Russian compilations of dark funk trap music that are coming out and they go so hard. I don't I don't know if Ryan Celsius like in his vibey approach ever meant to encroach on this, right? But I think it's clear the people making the funk mashups now are the Slavs. Yeah, the but you know what? Do the they sl- do they put 
do they put the clip of that lady cutting her arm off from Evil Dead over it? Because Ryan Celsius did do that. They might and no. you know what? I don't know, man. That's pretty hard. No, usually it's just like an image, just like a cartoon of a skull splitting in half or something like that. <laughs> I'm, that also their, their visuals go less hard, but the music does go dummy. <laughs> okay, so my bop um, is uh, y'all remember when we did the girlfriends album? Yeah, girlfriends by girlfriends. Is that the one guy? Girlfriends by girlfriends. It's the one guy. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he. I've actually known about this for a long time, but I didn't really start listening to it until recently. He released, he re-released that album, Girlfriends, but he did it in reverse. And it's actually great. Like, he literally just chopped crap Boyfriends. up. Boyfriends? No. It's, <laughs> it's literally called Girlfriends. Girlfriend. It's literally called Girlfriends Reverse. Uh-huh. <laughs> But like literally, he just took <laughs> missed stuff. opportunity. <laughs> He's, yeah, you're right. He literally just took stuff, hey, chopped boy, it. Boyfriends are you and girlfriends. Me again? Are boyfriends and girlfriends opposites. Nah, the opposite of a but girlfriend is it, no girlfriend. <laughs> if you reverse girlfriends, it becomes girlfriends reverse. Whether that or not, that's boyfriends is up to you. What? All right. All right. <laughs> but. What's track? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is the opposite of girlfriend? I, w- I mean, uh, you would say boyfriend. I don't think yeah, so. I think, I think, yes. I think it would be. I think, I think if it's you, I think TFW, it would be, no GF. I think if you took a poll, if I think you went onto the street and said, meme. what's the opposite of girlfriend? 99% of people I, are going to say I boyfriend. I think the opposite of girlfriend is Reddit in your search history. Ooh. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Nay, nay. <laughs> anyway, Jake, what's your track? <laughs> so the track, anyway. Let me just say real quick, one sentence without being interrupted. (laughs) Just, he chopped crap up and then he reversed it and it actually sounds super cool because the album's already super loopy and weird. And when you hear it in reverse, it actually totally works. So anyway, the song is called Gosh Darn It Reversed. (laughs) And it is fantastic. What's a gosh darn it reversed? (laughs) What? (laughs) What is it? Oh man, we're too silly. I'm sorry. Get control. Ass. I can't stop right. thinking. What's the opposite of a girlfriend? All right, all right. My bop, uh, real quick and easy, created by Portugal the Man. Thought you were gonna say Creed. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like nice. Creed. Good choice. Created is just great song. It's just great song. That's it. Scott Stapp. So sick. Wait, dude. is it <laughs> is it having a lot of money? No, no, no. The song's called Created. Created by Portugal. No, no, no. The opposite of a girlfriend. Oh. Oh, my God. (laughs) Is it being free every Friday night? (laughs) No, it's TFW no GF. It's a Pepe meme. Is it a Wojak? No, it's a Soy Jack pointing towards sadness. Dictionary definition of sadness. Anyway. Fellas, what's the opposite? My bop. (laughs) Is Dream of Mirrors by Iron Maiden. That's it. I'm not even going to get into it. That album, Brand New World's a oh, banger. Oh, no, no, no. That cover. Is that it, the, is, dude, Yeah, that's the Dance of Death cover by Iron Maiden. It is straight up the that? worst album cover oh, yeah, ever. All the animated people. <laughs> yeah. It's like CG really, people. really bad yeah, early 2000 yeah. CG. PS1 Hagrid. It's terrible. PS1 and I Hagrid. love that album. But like I, half I of really them looked and I was like, man, that is awful i was like listening to the album yesterday and i'm like man i never really thought about how bad that is but like yeah. but like i always thought that that was like on purpose 
It might oh my be. God. I don't know, but it's it's atrocious. You're looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I I always thought it was on purpose. Though. No, this is the opposite of girlfriends. <laughs> that is the opposite <laughs> of girlfriends. And what I don't get is it's like Iron Maiden's got a bunch of album covers that are like Sick. really well done. Yeah. I don't know why that one's such a it is awful. downer. It's that so a, bad. That's a yeah. real stinker right there. It's almost as good as uh the the Owl City cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. See you next week. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs> that, that Owl City album cover, it cannot be topped. <laughs> Wait, which Owl City album? <laughs> It actually can't be topped. Dude. That, <laughs> it, it goes one. so hard, dude. <laughs>